You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. A study by Kaiser reported that 92.5% of nurses, physicians, and administrators reported having witnessed disrupted behavior from a doctor. And 33% could state the name of a nurse who specifically left their institution because of a negative physician-to-nurse interaction. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Kathleen Bartholomew. Ms. Bartholomew served as the manager of a 57-bed orthopedic and spine unit in Seattle, Washington, and is now a consultant. A registered nurse and counselor, Bartholomew brings to light the challenges and issues facing nurses today. She is the author of Speak Your Truth, Proven Strategies to Improve Physician-to-Nurse Relationships. Welcome. Thank you, Leslie. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have somebody talk about this topic. Uh, We all have seen uh, physicians behaving badly, as I call them. What advice can you give to physicians to help them to handle inevitable conflict with nurses and improve our relationships with the floor staff? Well, inevitably, a physician is going to have a problem with a nurse, and maybe even a nurse has a problem with something that a physician did. But the key is that the two groups need to approach each other directly. Often I see physicians complaining to other physicians down the hall, in the elevators, about something some nurse did on the floor, and that's just not professional. If you have a problem with something, if a nurse did something wrong, or if you question what she did, you know, you go directly to her, and if there's a problem with that, then then you talk to her manager. So, So simple human respect can go a long way here. Absolutely. What kinds of situations do you see that typically lead to conflict? Are there red flags that we can be aware of? One of the biggest ones is telephone calls, and uh, there's a lot of conflict on the telephone. That's why when Kaiser did the study that you mentioned, that, that was the birth of the SBAR tool. Are you familiar with that? No. That's an attempt. It's being taught all over the United States now. It, it stands for Situation, Background, Assessment, and Recommendation. And what the people at Kaiser realized is that they had a lot of uh, sentinel events and bad outcomes that were based on the fact uh, of how the conversation went when the nurse called the physician, especially at night. And that nurses were taught to uh, paint the picture narratively. In fact, sometimes nurses get on the phone and they beat all around the bush. They'll say everything except for what the actual diagnosis is because physicians have yelled at them in the past and said, "Who, who are you? And you're not allowed to make a diagnosis. So that makes them run around the bush. And physicians have been taught just the facts, ma'am. I mean, just tell me what's, what's going on. So in an effort to bridge those two gaps, Kaiser came up with this tool where the nurse says in one sentence, this is a situation, this is the background on the patient, here's my assessment, and here's my recommendation. Now, the interesting thing is the recommendation part. You know, few nurses feel like they're going to make a recommendation. You know, there's decreased lungs. Here's the situation, post-op patient. I don't hear any breath sounds on the right. Uh, respirations have increased. Stats have decreased. I, and my recommendation is I think he needs a chest tube. You know, they, they always, I'll tell you, there's not a nurse who doesn't call, who do, an experienced nurse. Who doesn't know what she wants before she makes that phone call? But they seldom say it. They just set the tone and play this game where the doctor actually can can make the recommendation. So they're trying to train nurses to use the tool, and it saves time for the physicians, too. It's a clear way of communicating. You know, it really sounds like a great idea. I uh, One of the things that, that definitely annoys me in my relationships with nurses is the nurses that go on and on and on with the story and 
you know, I really only need the highlights here. It's three in the morning. So, so certainly SBAR sounds like it can be helpful for both nurses and physicians. Right. And, and nurses can be um, taught to never call a physician without the chart and the most recent labs in their hands. And also to go to their charge nurse or a mentor or an older nurse for advice before they make a call, especially if it's after hours, and to anticipate late night, late night problems ahead of time. I wonder from the physician side of things, what, what can we do to make the process better? When a nurse makes that recommendation, support her. She might be right, she might be wrong. Sometimes the recommendation uh, Kaiser found in their mother-baby unit is, I just want you to come in and see this patient. I'm worried. And a doctor will say, well, give me the facts. I just want the facts. You're worrying. It doesn't mean anything to me. But what Kaiser's found out, and now they're doing research on this kind of thinking, is that when a nurse gets a gut feeling that something's wrong, there's a great chance that something is wrong. And so their recommendation, they've built into the tool that the nurse can say, I just want you to come in and see the patient. A nurse has a great deal of trouble with getting those words out. I just, I've, I just want you to come and see the patient. She wants your expert opinion. So what a physician can do is just come. Maybe it'll be warranted. Maybe it won't. But in the Kaiser tool, you're not even allowed to discuss that for 24 hours after the event. Because what they found out is that what happens is when there's a sentinel event on the floor, when there's a bad outcome, there's a sequence of events that precede it. Let's just say there's four or five things that happen, and then the patient has a PE, or then the patient has a heart attack. So what that gut feeling is, is that chain of events has already started making sense on some level to the nurse. Two or three of the things have happened, not four, five, or six, which would have the outcome of the general event. So that gut feeling is now being more substantiated. So paying attention to that and encouraging nurses to. And, and we had one physician who the nurse kept calling and calling, saying, please come in, something's wrong with the patient. And he just blew her off and said, it's an anxiety problem. And this nurse had been a nurse for 30 years. She knew it wasn't anxiety. She got the crash cart. She put it next to the bed. Then she called the hospitalist and asked for a favor. She called in a favor and said, would you please just come down? And that hospitalist didn't even walk into the door when that patient stopped breathing completely. But what the physician did is, uh, you know, you encourage follow-up in an event like that. So the patient went to the ICU. The doctor comes in. And I said to the doctor, please go down and talk to the nurses. You know, was there something, two things need to happen here. One, you know, was there something that those nurses could have said that would have let you know the seriousness of the situation? Or was it two, you know, was it... Just the fact that you were just hung up on the fact that last time she came in, it was an anxiety attack, so he didn't see what was coming now. And so he did do that, and there was great healing. So when there's a problem, you know, approaching people directly, and like you said, professionally and on human behaviors, you know, the goal here is collegial relationships. Swiss uh, health economist Gerhard Coker once said, nursing would be a dream job if there were no doctors. Right. Well, that's why um, when I do research for the book, there's 98 articles that were pulled and only two were written by physicians because it's not seen as a physician problem. The physicians have no problem with the way things are. Right. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is the author of Speak Your Truth, Proven Strategies to Improve Physician-Nurse Relationships, Kathleen Bartholomew. We are discussing the physician-to-nurse relationship. So uh, communication, obviously, is crucial for this. Um, What else can we do to improve our relationships with each other? Um, Learning nurses' names, attending events together, hosting many in-services, getting to know each other as people, asking a nurse's opinion, because a nurse receives no further education, really. I mean, if the two of you see a patient and you can say, well, what's wrong? You know, what do you think is going on with the patient? That's a wonderful statement. 
And and then after the nurse answers, say, well, I agree with you, or I disagree with you. And if you just verbalize the disagreement, if you invite that conversation, I mean, I think that physicians really need to be leaders now, not commanders. They need to be people who invite that conversation. And, and that's very similar to what the airline industries have done. So really to, to think of either the office or the hospital floor as a constant training place that we both have so much to, to teach each other. And, you know, despite the realities of everybody's busy schedule and that there still can be opportunities for teaching that, that don't have to be CME. Right. They don't have to be planned. They don't have to be PowerPoint presentation. I'll tell you, 10 minutes will go a long way. If every physician listening would make a commitment to give one in-service on the unit, even spontaneously, once a year, the entire profession would improve mm-hmm. above the board, across the board. And, you know, there's been research that shows a direct correlation between the relationship of a physician and a nurse and patient mortality. Noss and Bags did a study of 13 ICUs, and the highest correlator in that entire study was the patients who had the best outcomes had the best relationships with the doctors and the nurse. So so it's an economic advantage as well. People do better if they're surrounded by good relationships. So maybe we can get the hospitals and uh, insurance carriers to help support some of this behavior. The chances of it happening are slim. On an individual level, we really have both physicians and nurses have a lot more pressures these days. One physician said to me as I tried to approach him, I'm not even on the team. Don't talk to me. I'm just the surgeon. (laughs) Just the surgeon. He he wants nothing to do with the post-op care. And that's the way he truly felt. Because one day I called down. uh, I was so proud of myself. I had all the information that you could possibly want to give. And my patients, post-op patients, blood pressure had plummeted to 70 over 30. I knew if they were on beta blockers. I knew their EBL during surgery. and, And I called down to the doctor who was in the operating room. And the very first question he asked me, I couldn't answer. And he said, is that my fourth surgery or my fifth? I said, I don't have your surgery schedule. I don't know. And he says, well, I can't answer your question. Is it number four or number five? <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. The pressures here are, are really escalating for all of us. You know, has the role of hospitalists affected some of these issues? Well, I, I see that sometimes, I'll tell you from my point of view, I, I see that the physician dumps on the hospitalist. Sometimes I see the hospitalist as a savior to our floor because um, when our knowledge is getting so specialized, whether it's oncology or transplant or ortho, it doesn't matter what it is, there's so much to know and there's new technology and new information coming out daily that these specialists have to focus on that they kind of forget the entire whole patient. They forget the big picture. And I see the hospitalist as critical in, in seeing that big picture. And, you know, at least um, here in Boise, where I practice, some of the larger groups rotate their hospitalists. So they're not necessarily hospitalists permanently, nor by choice. And I would think that would make a difference as well. Oh, I'm sure it will. When it comes right down to it, it sounds like respect and communication really are the keys here. Yes, and also recognizing that as a physician, if you don't encourage any nurse to speak up, they're just simply not going to because there's such a power difference. Well, you know, again, it's amazing to me because certainly um, in my training experience, nurses were my best teachers and that nurses spend much more time with patients, be it uh, usually in the office or on the hospital floor, and that they often know much more than we do about the patient. And it amazes me that physicians don't honor that and, uh, and ask for their, their feedback. Yes, uh, they don't. And I'd also like to, to point out, too, that, you know, we mentioned a study that showed 92.5 of nurses, you know, 
have reported witnessing disruptive behavior, but I'll tell you, it is not a large percentage of physicians. I would say that uh, if you did a bell curve, less than 10% of physicians are really disruptive or difficult to work with. And, but at the same point, you've got 10, less than 10%, I think, that are really collegial. Everybody else falls in the middle where you, what you're talking about with the, you know, the resident and the attending and nurses teaching and that teacher-student relationship and collaborative. Uh, that's kind of the middle of the bell curve. So the goal is to move things towards collegial. So what should nurses do when they're confronted with an abusive physician? They should immediately ask to take him out of that scene. May I speak to you for a moment in private? And I have to tell you that in 100% of the cases where I've seen, I could tell you tons of stories. The physician was really unaware of the impact that his behavior was having on the nurses or the floor. I want to thank our guest today, Kathleen Bartholomew. We have been discussing how to improve physician-to-nurse interactions. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.